I was gonna ask you that you should edit in uh, It's Britney, bitch, at the beginning, but Oh, wig It's Britney, bitch Pop Local Singles Okay, it's Against It's all local singles If you haven't listened to Against before It's the show where I, Josh, take one album In my corner Juan, my co-host, takes another album and we kind of like battle it out and you decide who mm-hmm. wins, okay? We have a rating system. I know Juan's nodding over at Montreal. <laughs> we have a rating system called SUCK. It stands for Sophistication, Uniqueness, Confidence, and Karma. So we're kind of rating these two albums in the zone and blackout mm-hmm. on, you know, their creative quality. Yeah, how good they are at like making music essentially like how formally great they are <laughs> how formally <laughs> good quality is great and the sort of culture around them then and how they've mm. lived up um how their reputation has changed if it has at all so yeah. it's against bitch it's, it's against bitch well before we start getting into the actual fighting um <laughs> how are you feeling about doing britney in general and why did we choose these two albums yeah great question First of all, everyone says Blackout is the best Britney album. It's like a widespread, especially among stands. It's like a... Yeah, people who like, like pop music. Like, it's kind of a agreed upon position. And um, mm-hmm. we debated if we should do Blackout and Circus or Blackout and In the Zone. And listener, mm-hmm. if you're not sure about the discography timeline, it goes In the Zone, Blackout, Circus. So either way, it's like yeah. essentially the same era. It's the mid-2000s, essentially. Yeah. Um, she was fucking releasing like a machine back then. Like, Yeah, crazy. And even the, the gap between In the Zone and Blackout is probably one of the biggest she's ever had. It is, yeah. Yeah. Other than um, Glory till right now. now. Yes, and we have seen the doc. We, I mean, we haven't really talked about it on the pod, but... To be honest, mm. I feel like it was just a good documentary, and that's kind of it. Like we, it was kind of everywhere. We didn't. Eat, I didn't have much to add, honestly. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. Very compelling, though. But we want to talk about the music, so that's what we're going to do. Mm. Me, Joshua, <laughs> is my name. I haven't listened to Britney. Like I mentioned in a recent episode, that I think I was kind of pink pilled, as in pink <laughs> the singer. I think I was marketed to. Were you into Avril Lavigne too? Um, like earlier, like, I feel like those are different eras. I was very young when I liked Avril, but no pink, I think was positioned as anti-pop, but still extremely catchy. And I think it connected to like her not being a bimbo, basically. Listen to her bimbo theory episode. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't present for any Britney eras. I wasn't paying attention on yet another episode. You and I mentioned mix CDs, like compilation CDs. Like now that's what I call music and all those. And that was my exposure to Britney singles like that's how that's I so heard um, I, I was a big fan of Outrageous which I think is kind of a random one yeah it is but it's just because it was on the CD I had so yeah I didn't get into Britney really in real time until Femme Fatale we had like the complete opposite trajectory with Britney's music I right. was really into Britney as like literally like probably 10 years old wow like like I remember the come up of Britney precise, like very well I remember watching Lucky in, like, MTV Latin America, like, the TRL version of Oh, my God. Of 
and like always being like, yeah, Brady, make it to number one. Blah, blah, blah. No, shut um, up. You were not a stan at 10. <laughs> I was a stan at 10. You were like calling um, radio stations. <laughs> yeah, I was calling MTV Latin America, <laughs> complaining about Eminem or whatever. Um, and then, and then I remember Blackout. I really loved Blackout. I think it was after Circa that I started petering out of my um. Brady love. But I think it was mostly I got into indie music. I think that's what happened. That's the disease that you caused. Yeah. <laughs> I've been cured, but yeah. so and honestly I just don't like the vibe of Femme Fatale and Britney Jean. Like the extreme EDM vibe has never been my like one fun thing that I'll have to admit is I never loved like Rihanna in that mm. era. I never mm. loved Gaga in that era. I've been rediscovering now and I'm realizing that it's good music, but at the time I was like very anti pop. That's the thing. All these songs sound so different now. For me, all of my takes are based on, except for the singles, they're based on what they sound like in 2021. For you, yeah. I have a hunch, all of your takes were formed 10 to 15 years ago on these albums. The singles, the singles, for sure. But as this is the one, the, the answer to the question that I asked earlier, I didn't listen to the other songs when it came out. You didn't hear the full album? No. And this is what I mean to say about this is that I don't think Britney is necessarily an album artist. Mm. She's such a singles artist to me. And back in the day when I listened to Blackout, I remember I lived in Houston at the time. And I remember there was this girl that was really funny. She was like a bimbo, actually. <laughs> and she would like sing Gimme More in like geometry class. And she would get in trouble. <laughs> but I remember very clearly that I was obsessed with Gimme More at the time. But I was also closeted, so I like had to hide it. I think that's oh, also no. why I got off Britney, because... Once you reach 15, it's like, you really have to start hiding your gayness more because it's becoming sexual. It's like you're actually yeah. starting to like get boners for like yeah. earlier, but whatever. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So let's start, I guess. Okay. So I think we should start with S, which is sophistication. I'm going to read you the kind of rubric we have here, listener, but I also want us to list kind of the key songs from each album okay. because... Her albums are so close together in year and era mm -hmm. and just like decade, really, that yeah. I don't really think as a radio listener, you would have had to have known the difference between albums. I think it was a constant stream of singles. I don't think there was exactly. ever a break. I think there was like yeah, three no. years where it was just every like five months, something new was on the radio, you know? Totally. Anyways, do you want to start with, well, I guess I should start because it's the first one in the timeline. Sure. So I will do that. Um, we're talking In the Zone. It's the blue cover with pink text of her full face. I will face. say, I'm not even going to fight that battle of the cover because the In the Zone cover is beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. November 18th, 2003, Jive Records. Certainly doesn't exist anymore. Let's see what Wikipedia describes it as. Pop, dance, hip-hop, crunk, house, electropop, bangra? <laughs> Stop with crunk. And R&B. Yeah, it's like never crunk when Wikipedia says it's crunk, you know? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I wonder who <laughs> who wrote this. Okay, so how do you say Bangra? Bangra? Bangra. Yeah, and that's like, there, it, there was a period in uh, the 2000s where a lot of white artists were using that sitar, I believe is what it is. You mean Britney's white? Yeah, it was, it was the world music of <laughs> yeah. Max Martin, really. So those are the genres. And here are some of the songs that you may recognize. Me Against the Music, featuring Madonna. Mm -hmm. 
That was a single. So was Toxic, obviously. That kind of her biggest song ever, actually. Uh, Outrageous, also. And the last song on the album is Every Time, which I kind of think had a revival with Spring Breakers, that scene with the piano. So huge album. Like The funny thing is, to me, it was always pitched as a kind of like ambient, like IDM Mm. album. Like I like in my right. mind it was all produced by air or something. Like her ray of light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always thought it was that and I feel like people told me it was that. The cover looks like that. It does look like that. Yeah, maybe that's mm-hmm. an aesthetic thing too. But ultimately it has toxic on it. Like I need to be yeah. clear, it has her biggest <laughs> single of all time on it. And me against, and the, me music. against the music couldn't be more like fast paced than in your face. Yeah. Like it couldn't be yeah. Me Against the Music is a bit corny to me. And to me, it does scream Madonna in that time. Madonna? Yeah, it's very Four Minutes to Save <laughs> the World. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, no. The, four the, Minutes to Save the World is all written all over Blackout. But um, no, on this album, she's kind of like gradually moving into a more adult sound, a more horny sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no more soda pop. No more email my heart. <laughs> no, then, like, she wrote that. <laughs> less cute stuff than ever there's still some cute things there's a song called brave new girl you know she's it's a very transitional album but there's a song yeah, with totally. the yin yang twins there's um touch of my hand which is about joshing off jilling off even so there are some lower tempo kind of chill out songs mm-hmm. but it's really just like a studio pop album you know yeah. It's a little less bombastic than like the Max Martin productions we were all used to at the time. It's still it's still just pop music, yeah. That's a great summary. And what you were saying about the mid-key, like to me, one of the best songs on that album is Breathe On Me, which is sort yeah. of more like mid-tempo, chill. But the album is a bit all over the place, as most studio pop albums in the, the time were. Yeah. Whereas with Blackout, I guess... And we'll develop this point as we move on, but I think part of why people love it so much or it's been proclaimed to be her best album is how cohesive it is. Like, yeah, the sound is not as all over the place. There's no specific ballads. Yeah. It's described by Wikipedia as being primarily dance pop and electro pop record with Euro disco and dubstep influences. The lyrical themes revolve around love, fame, media scrutiny, sex, and clubbing. Clubbing is right. It's a Clubbing. club album. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously famously, so like what you said, In the Zone was sort of transitional from her like girly, teeny pop days to becoming a woman. It literally comes, I think it literally came right after Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. And yeah. then comes In the Zone. Exactly. Yeah. And then Blackout, I think it's three years later, which is nothing to any artist, but it was a lot for Britney who constantly puts out music. And one of the main things about Blackout and every narrative about it, every write-up that I looked up for this, it talks about her breakdown of 2007. And it does permeate throughout the album. And there's such an easy way to read it through that because the album is so much about like losing control, being like dirty and sexy and not polished. And the sa- it sounds like that. So that's sort of like the spirit of Blackout. It's like, it's much messier than anything she's put out. But at mm. the same time, the messiness is in every song. So that's why people like it because it feels like there's a vision. But I think as we'll talk through, we'll see how much of that actually comes from Britney and how much of that is just like production by other mm. artists. Song-wise, I would say 
I mean, Gimme More and Peace of Me are, to me, like, I would literally say top five Britney songs. Like, Gimme More to me is one of my favorite Britney songs, and I think it's, like, such an insane-sounding, like, space-sounding pop song that sounds like a lot of the things at the time, but also has a very unique production, vocals. It just sounds, like, so spacey. Like, I don't know, it's weird. Peace of Me, I love lyrically. It's just, like, I think Britney has never been... She didn't write herself. <laughs> it's never been as like self-referential and clever about her own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say Break the Ice. I'm, I'm listening to the singles, essentially, actually. Break the Ice is also great. It's very chill. I would compare it to Breathe on Me. Mm. And I liked Toy Soldier a lot as well. Love and Toy ooh, Soldier. Ooh, baby. Oh, actually, Get Back. Get Back is the one that I was just listening to. And I was like, okay, this is fucking, this goes off. And it's very straightforward 2007 Timbaland. That one's the most Timbaland out of all of them. But yeah, so essentially Blackout Sound is Timbaland mixed with Electro. Yeah, exactly. So Danger is basically the producer of the entire damn thing. He used to work with Timbaland or like even was still working with Timbaland at the time. Yeah. It becomes clear that Danger was the kind of electronic edge of Timbaland's productions, like The Way I Are, for example. Without Timbaland, yeah, it's a, it's a similar but more electronic sound than the Timbaland productions of the time, I would say. But I will say that also Bloodshy and, and Avant mm-hmm. produced four tracks, and they're kind of the most electronic-y, like Piece of Me, Raider, Freak Show, and Toy Soldier. So that's also where that electronic sound comes in. I think it's because they're like, I mean, I don't know who these people are, but they seem like straight up European, like hardcore. I'm happy to hear that you like them because I love Bloodshot and Avant. Like I would say I stand them a little bit because you know who they are. are What else have they done? They're Mike Snow. They're Mike Snow without the singer. Oh yeah. yeah, I did see that. I did see that. They're so fucking good. Um, Basically, if you, if I did a list of top 10 Britney songs, which I wouldn't have been able to do before, like, this week. But if I did a list, I think most of them would be Bloodshine Avant. Like, Bloodshine Avant on Femme Fatale did How I Roll and Trip to Your Heart, Trip to My Heart, Mm -hmm. two of the best Britney songs ever. And yeah, I agree that Toy Soldiers is really a fucking bop on Blackout. It's one Mm -hmm. of the first times on the album where, like... Because if you think to, like, Timbaland Productions, it's very much, like... The sound, it's almost like a slab of meat hitting the ground as the, as the like snare or whatever. It's like very, yeah. a wet, like huge kind of um, rhythm, I guess, like percussion. Yeah. But then with Bloodshine Avant on Toy Soldiers, it's more, it's almost like an IDM, like it's like a tiny little kick drum and like a tiny little snare, you know? It's much more no, European totally. sounding than the very American danger. Yeah. So I was instantly. I was instantly like, this is a great song when I heard Toy Soldier. In the zone, there's some uh, Bloodshy as well. Actually, Bloodshy is all throughout Britney's career. That's crazy. I didn't know that, actually. I think something about Blackout, the production, is that it really marks a transition in pop music from Timbaland, more R&B, hip-hop-ish pop music, to what become would become like Lady Gaga, Selena Gomez, Rihanna. Hmm. EDM-ish music. Like, Blackout is somewhere between Future Love Sounds and The Fame, I would say. Yeah. Something like... Sexy Back. Yeah. I yeah, hear a lot of Sexy Back. Mean, future Sex Love Sounds or whatever, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. It's honestly a little bit triggering when every song has that 
kind of I rhythm. love sexy back, but when you said that, he said, he texted this me, me this, and I was like so angry because it's, it's true. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's the biggest drag you could ever, you could ever make. And and then even a song like Gimme More, which I just said is one of my favorites, I couldn't not oh, listen no. sexy back in it. I really like Gimme More too. Um, yeah. But, but I want to ask you this yeah. for the sophistication. What do you think is about in the zone that makes it like a good album or a great album, depending on how you feel about it? I don't know, honestly. I like when Britney's in kind of full studio album mode. I like mm-hmm. when the Swedes in the room can like throw everything at the wall and it sticks every time, you know? Like, I know. Half the songs have like a little bit with like a banjo or like a little bit with like a xylophone or like there's just so much shit happening at all times. Yeah. And for me, that's what I like about in the zone. And I also like that about circus, which is, I think many people's fa- least favorite Britney album. Oh really? True. I think so. It seems that way anyways. Um, but yeah, in the zone is interesting because I think it is actually kind of poptimist. I think it's the first time in Britney's career where she stops being Max Martinified. Mm-hmm. And actually switches to other Swedes, Bloodshot and Avant, and they kind of bring in more like lounge music and like, I don't know, micro house or like IDM yeah. and stuff like that. It's more adult. It's adult. It's an adult. Yeah, it's it, more yeah. European. Yeah. It's more adult. But it is still a studio album. Like I said, like it has that Madonna song. It has a song that fucking goes off with the Ying Yang twins called... So good. I, I got song. that I boom, boom. <laughs> and to me, I got that boom, boom is like a kind of a holdover from her previous albums, like in title. Right. It's a very like baby Britney yeah. title, you know, <laughs> the parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. It's ex- exactly. Yeah. It's a very girly Britney, but then it's a fucking raunchy guest verse by the yeah. twins. And I don't know, that song kind of goes off. I shouldn't be speaking highly of it because you're supposed to be competing, but early morning, I love that song. I listen. I hadn't listened to it to like yesterday when I was preparing and I was like, well, this is a really, it's like insane. It doesn't sound like Britney at all. No, yeah, a lot of a lot of them don't sound like Britney. Like Moby produced one. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So like that to me is kind of paint by numbers like boy music, but then put a girl on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I feel like that would have been like the selling point at the time. Like like Britney's doing dubstep. Like that was kind of the femme fatale thing. There's like some interesting auto-tune on Touch of My Hand. I love when a Britney album is uncategorizable. And I feel like her previous one, Britney, is very much mm-hmm. just like Max Martin as a genre. True, 2000s true. pop music as a genre. Like just huge sounding. Mm-hmm. This has that and it's has elements of that, like I said, in Outrageous. But it is skewing into slightly different references. And I think it is a very yeah. referential album. And I think she pulls it off. Like her vocals sound good. That's an issue I have with Blackout, to be honest. Like her vocals are less confident and more in the background too. Process too. More process, yeah. They're sort of layered in a different way. All of that is to say In the Zone is a good mix of literally her biggest pop singles ever and a more kind of sexy sound that still sounds kind of sexy today. And I think Britney can sound a little bit goofy, you know, because she is so affected vocally. But mm. I think it's pulled off on In The Zone. This is so debate class right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll move on. Oh, I guess I'll say what I think is good about Blackout. I mean, I kind of just said it already. Blackout just has 
like a cohesiveness that might not have come from Britney herself, but I think it just comes from the fact that she, like, it is the first album that she executive produced, apparently, which I don't know what that means in, like, music <laughs> industry terms. It probably just means that she chose specific producers. And she's not, she has writing credits for one song on Blackout. Um, but I think just in general, what's so good about Blackout is that it was very, like, forward-sounding all the time, and this is something that we'll get back to when we talk about karma. But something that I love about it is how crazy the production sounds. And it just goes back to how it doesn't sound like her voice sounds wacky at times, but I love how like sometimes they like, like the vocals are not only like auto-tuned and distorted, but then there's like male vocals at some point. There's like mm-hmm. layering of like hair with like what I'm assuming is Danger or someone in the studio, like a man talking. Danger is fucking talkative. But talking. <laughs> <laughs> Give that man a podcast. Literally, come on, Holocaust singles. <laughs> if we have the ancient Holocaust singles, he'll never, he'll never stop. The he'll never stop. Danger. He'll be interrupting us. He'll introduce every episode without fail. Do a 90-second outro. By the way, give me more. The last 90 seconds is just Danger. There's, like, no song. It's just him. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a jam session, really, is what it is. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Let's talk uniqueness. All of that was about sophistication, Listener, you can decide which one sounds more sophisticated. But next is uniqueness. Is the sound redone completely new? What is it referencing in terms of contemporaries and artists? How does it stand apart? You were just talking about danger. Danger. And I already said this, but I think Blackout main comparison is anything that Timbaland was doing at the time. Danger, as Joshi said, is a Timbaland protege. And he was working with Kerry Hilson and essentially just the Timbaland team in, in terms of songwriting. So I would say that it's the album is very much within the moment. Like it's easily compared to anything that the Pussycat Dolls were doing. Not anything, but anything that Timbaland was doing for the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, future Sex Love Sounds. Um, I think what makes it stand apart and makes it unique is what I was just saying about the crazy vocal layering. This album... I don't want to make a statement that is not true, but I feel like this album plays with autotune in a way that hadn't really been done before. In a way that is not like, like Cher played with autotune, but it's just like straight up using autotune. I think that this album actually just played with it. And I don't want to say, I don't want to say experimental, but a bit more like playful, a bit more like out there in a way that a normal studio pop album wouldn't have had the chance to do. I think a lot of what was happening with this album is that Britney... If I am to believe that as an executive producer, she had like a lot of creative input, she was sort of feeling just like she wasn't giving a, giving a fuck about a lot of things, like a lot of her career. She had, had just shaved, blah, blah, blah. And I think part of that translated into her not giving a fuck about like traditional pop sounds and leaning more into this like crazy electro pop sounding album. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can say it's a unique album i think in retrospect people have actually tried to read it as being unique as we said earlier like there's tons of people who claim it's the best album and a lot of what i was reading like the rolling stone claims that it was like very unique at its time but i think that there's so much of the the pop landscape at the time that's informing the album that you can't really say that i think that she took that to another level and that's what's unique about it but it's definitely very much within the timbaland the timbaland pantheon yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say industrial complex. That's yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. That's good too. 
I mean, basically his indentured servant working for him. So <laughs> danger. <laughs> Not indentured servant. <laughs> Poor Carrie Hilson never made it. But yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Carrie Hilson too. She's all over the writing credits though, right? Yeah. On Blackout. Yeah. On Blackout. Oh, she wrote Give Me More. She fucking wrote Give Me More. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, not exactly unique, but mm-hmm. anyways, that's okay. Not everything has to be unique. It is, right. you know, anyways, moving on. Not going to finish that sentence. It is pop music after all. <laughs> so, let's talk In the Zone. That is my album. Honestly, it's not completely new, okay? Yeah. I think the singles on the album are from, like, there's like a lineage on all of her albums, really, of the big singles, Oops, I did it again, preceded by Hit Me Baby One More Time. Those are the same sound. I would argue like Toxic, you could say, is works as a trio with those two. You know, just like massive, like massive, massive, massive pop yeah, songs yeah. that don't really have a genre in any like traditional sense other than pop music, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially like 90s, early 2000s pop music is very much just like just pop. It's just like the loudest sounds yeah. put together. It's amazing, honestly. Yeah. And then, as I said before, it references a lot of quote-unquote higher-brow genres and mm. producers. I mean, actually, it's interesting that there's no Max Martin or Dr. Luke on this album, because that's the first None. time she was Zero. willing to do that. None, yeah. Toxic is Bloodshy and Avant, so... No way, really? That's how you know we've landed on something good. Yeah, I've I've really liked them. <laughs> I've really always liked them. Well, that hook, the do-do-do-do-do, that's just musical genius right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's some early poptimism, I think. But um, pop stars have always kind of taken an album to position themselves as higher brow. We've seen it with, mm-hmm. what, like Ray of Light? Sort of alluding to down to mid-tempo electronic music. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Kylie on... Impossible Princess Impossible Kylie. Princess, yeah. Actually, a few songs on In The Zone could be Kylie songs. Yeah, true. Lady Gaga sort of tried to do it with art pop, but it wasn't really well, recognized as like, being highbrow. It's more EDM, yeah. Yeah, but I think she was trying to make pop highbrow, like literally art pop. Art pop, you know? right. Okay, she it was in the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, like I would say the pieces of it have been done a million times. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're distinct references to her own career and other people's careers. But... um you know, I don't think it's ever been put together and I don't think it'll it'll ever be put together like this again. So kind of fucking unique ultimately, mm-hmm. isn't it? If anything, these two albums are definitely the most unique of her entire discography. Mm. Yeah, so I we'll would agree with that. that. Definitely. Yeah. Because like in her earlier stuff and in her later stuff, she sort of does more like hip hop and like R and B, like kind of like that pink that first pink album. Obviously pink is yeah. my reference for everything about Britney. <laughs> So, and it's sort of like what Mariah had popularized at the time. Right, yeah. Like pop, R&B-ish, yeah. Anyway, so the next category is confidence, which we use as a way to describe, like, the vision, the, like, co- cohesiveness, mm-hmm. the, like, um, ideas, whether they seem like they're fully developed. Yeah. All these things that are, I think, a bit more un- intangible than, like, sophistication. You can clearly tell when an album is poorly produced. Right. But with confidence, it's a bit harder. I mean, I feel like I just talked about this. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I feel like the same way about... I've, I've been saying... I feel like all night I've been saying that the thing about that's good about Blackout is the fact it's that consistent. it has... Yeah, it's consistent. And ultimately, why it has the narrative that it has nowadays is 
what was happening around Britney's life. All of her, like a hair breakdown, the iconic or infamous VMA performance of Give Me More. And I think that in a way that experience, and again, it's hard to, it's hard to hypothesize because with pop music, you never know how much the artist actually has a say in anything. But I, I do believe that Britney's experience of like being messy and being wild and partying translated into an album that sounds like that. It sounds like an album that is played at like a strip club and mm -hmm. people are just being messy or whatever. So I think it has a really strong point of view for sure. Yeah, it's literally called Blackout. Mm -hmm. And like there were rumors of her going to rehab and shit around this time. Yeah, I mean, kind of yeah, insane, exactly. actually. <laughs> yeah. um, and for the record, the album after that circus is when she was actually in the conservatorship. Good point. That's very, when that very important point. Yeah. So it was a lead yeah. up. So yeah, confident statement for Blackout. I guess I would agree. But one thing I mentioned to you earlier is that I just wonder if she wasn't available as much for this album because when I'm comparing In the Zone and Blackout, mm -hmm. especially in terms of song intros and outros, I see a big difference. And to me, that's like a day where you come in and record all these ad-libs for all, mm -hmm. the entire album. And I don't think she showed up that day for Blackout. Uh, uh, I will say this, actually, I shouldn't be dragging Blackout because it's supposedly my album, but her, I was watching an interview or listening to an interview with The Unstoppable Danger <laughs> in which he was like, he was like reminiscing on Blackout. And they asked him, how was, how was working with Britney? And he was like, she was really great and sweet at the beginning, but then she kind of stopped showing up as often or whatever. Oh. And I think wow. what at the end, the product, and this is something that I've seen Danger in like the three interviews that I saw, or like the three quotes that I saw, he kept saying that he was given so much artistic freedom for Blackout. He keeps saying that. He was saying that I was free to do whatever I wanted. Hmm. So I think that in a way, I think what happens with Blackout is that Britney doesn't have like a suit or like a... A, like a label guy as the executive producer. Yeah. She's the executive producer, but she's so absent yeah. that essentially Danger becomes the executive producer. Yeah. And it allows for a very cohesive vision because essentially like a one, even though there's the other guys, I think Danger sort of tied everything in. He really tied it in, yeah. It's Danger featuring Britney for half the songs. When he was speaking about it, it seems like he kept saying that his project, like, I mean, he was he, he talked about it, like he was really proud of his project. Like he has some choruses. Which I think is, I think is interesting. I think it like, it makes that the vision is strong and it's just like whose vision right <laughs> i think lyrically it's britney's vision or like attitude wise it's all about like britney's life at the time but musically it's definitely dangerous vision and i think it's really strong a really fun fact is that britney didn't write the iconic it's britney bitch it was danger who wrote that line. no way see he's <laughs> like he's like an ad-lib creator first and foremost <laughs> he really is, yeah that's really funny that's interesting that he admits that it was kind of his project because you hear it like like I said, or like I've been trying to say, studio albums have that sound where like everything fits together, but like very much each track is referencing something different, but it all fits together because mm -hmm. it's so bombastic or whatever. Yeah. And the albums on either side of Blackout have that feeling. Like Circus has this huge kind of pop Max Martiny sound, and so does In the Zone. But Blackout is different because, yeah, it's it all sounds like one thing. It's it's shocking in her discography to hear everything side by side that way. And in any pop star's discography, because usually I feel like maybe back then they probably told them, okay, you need a good ballad just to be like more catch-all and like have more chances of charting. You probably need a couple of ballads. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, at the time 
it was very formulaic of like the first single is like a huge single. The second right. is a ballad. I don't know where this fits really, but who cares? I mean, I mentioned this already, really. This is kind of what happens at the end of Against, but yeah. her eras aren't really that distinct because, like I said before, she's a hit machine. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, we even see this on Blackout where Radar is reused on the following album, yeah. Circus, and released yeah. as a single for Circus. Basically, apropos of nothing. Like, it just, there's no reason why it had to happen. They just released the album so back to back. And I think on Circus, mm-hmm. you start to hear the studio machine, like, restart. Like, you know, the steam starts pumping or whatever. Totally, totally. And, like, the forces at play. Um, the conservatorship. The conservatorship, but also, like, the studio forces. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, just, like, I really, for some reason, I'm really having trouble describing the idea of a studio album, but... Blackout is not a studio album. It just doesn't come off that way at all. It comes off yeah. as a, almost a mixtape, you know, almost. I think, I think it's also because it's such an obscure, the concept of the studio album is like an obscure thing. And this is something that I think is like a key thing about how local singles. How do you, how do you even know who took, who did what in a studio album, you know? Yeah. It's such a like collective corporate effort. That it's you a never 2000s know. thing too. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah. I mean, albums thing. are low key fell off. Right. Low key fell off. Yeah. <laughs> Is in the zone confident? Yeah, maybe so. It's more sexual than ever. I think it's very explicitly confident, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But um, it's not, I don't know what, if I was expecting like a full drone compilation, but it's not, <laughs> it's not, there's no, I don't know if there's a vision in terms of sound. Right. There's a yeah. lot happening, but it does sound good together. So Karma is next on the docket. That, um, We'll finish off our S-U-C-K rubric to find out which mm-hmm. album sucks more slash less, <laughs> confusingly. <laughs> so this is a section where we talk about personality and public persona leading up to and during the album's release and how the album has aged in terms of messaging or lyricism, but also how it aged in terms of quality. Some albums become iconic afterwards. In fact, often pop albums are absolutely panned universally panned by the media when they come out, especially for women. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and they become kind of cult classics, which must be really annoying after a while. I know Kirsten Dunst has said that about her work. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, recently. Or like, yeah. A f- couple of years ago, she said she was tired mm-hmm. of people only giving her credit like long after the marketing campaigns are done, you know? Literally. Like long after, like the after the press. after the Oscar campaigns are done. She has no Oscars. Yeah, that, exactly. It's yeah. that. Meanwhile, I'm watching Kristen Dunst movies and every single one is great, so. She's so great, honestly. Yeah, she is. So Karma, do you want to start? How has Blackout aged? How's Blackout aged? I mean, I've been hinting at this all episode. Blackout, and we started off saying Blackout is now, nowadays, sort of seen as the magnum opus of Britney Spears. And I think it boils down to the fact that it's, Britney's not an album artist and Blackout is the most album that she has. It's simply that. It's simply the most... The most album? <laughs> Is that what you said? Yes. Did I stutter? <laughs> yeah, I did say that, yeah. The most album. By which I obviously mean the most like cohesive. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Most, <laughs> <laughs> I think it also, <laughs> it also has to do with this. Like, so I, like the, the short answer to your question, it aged beautifully. It came out and it was actually panned, like... I was looking at Metacritic and In The Zone has a higher rating from uh, reviews at the time, both in the 60s, but Blackout is like 61. 
at the time it was just not people didn't take it seriously i mean it was also britney's lowest point so people were not really taking her seriously the only promotional thing she did for it was the infamous vma performance she literally didn't do any other promo for it um but i mean she was constantly in the press so that's enough promo like she literally was constantly i think it was around her divorce she shaved she shaved her head people were like constantly scrutinizing her every move so that in itself is enough promo but I think it distracted from the quality of the music, which then later on, like I would say like 10 years on, you start seeing all these articles on Rolling Stone and like I've seen like everything, AV Club, just basically saying, is Blackout Britney's best album? I think a lot of it has to do with the narrative around it. It's so easy to create a narrative around like, oh, the injustice in the sense that it was like, it was unjustly criticized at the time because she was having a free, like a breakdown. And it also has to do with the fact that I it influenced a few artists that came after that became pivotal for the 2010s, like what I was saying earlier, Lady Gaga, Rihanna. And I think that it really marked the point where we moved away from Timbaland Productions to more Euro EDM production in mainstream pop music. So I think that's why it has such a huge acclaim. My personal opinion is that I do think it's a bit overstated. Like, I don't think musically back, like, I love it. And I've been singing praises to it all, all, all night, but I don't think Blackout is, I don't think it's avant-garde. I don't think it's experimental. In a lot of ways, people like to describe it that way. But I think it's better described as an album of its time that was really doing Timbaland really well. I mean, like, Greeny Moore is better than anything on Justin Timberlake's album, but it's not experimental. It's just really a really good product of its time that was underrated at the time. Right. That's a funny one because, yeah, there was so little promotion. Mm -hmm. It's too bad, really. And I remember, like, the video for, what was it? I think Break the Ice was just fully a cartoon. Like, she just wasn't there. Literally a cartoon. She wasn't available to record it. I mean, have you watched the video for Gimme More? Yeah, Fast Cuts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fast Cuts, I'll say that. Um, No, on the other hand, In the Zone has... I love that, though. I mean, some of the best music videos we've seen from her... I would say the toxic video, her on the airplane, is her iconic video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the look with um with um where she's like a new delusion. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. Actually, That's that like, video is so iconic to me that when I play Toxic, and Birth, by the way, I don't think I had played Toxic since like seeing it on TV. Like it's not something crazy. I stream. I don't stream That's it on so Spotify. Crazy. So like I I heard Toxic and I was expecting the last note to be the seatbelt sign to go off because in the music video the song ends and right on beat there's a ding because the seatbelt sign i guess either goes on or off oh yeah i know exactly now i know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so for that to not be in the song i was like okay wow i really haven't heard this in the streaming era but also that proves just how often i heard it as a kid you know it was just that big and then the Me Against the Music video, I guess they kiss in it, her and Madonna. So that's some controversy. Oh, yeah. They gesture towards kissing. They just they about kiss. kiss. And then she, yeah, yeah. something happens, yeah. They had just kissed at the VMA, so that's why it was like... Yes, they kissed yeah, at the yeah. VMAs for a different song, though. Oh, Madonna, Hollywood. Right. Iconic. Okay. Oh, I love Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood. We should do, we should do American Life. Oh, what a fucking great album. Yeah, we should, and we will. Mm. That's on the list. Um, and then Every Time... Is a great single. That was a big song. And that video we were talking about recently because it's so hot. 
There's the Hawkeye in it, at the very least. <laughs> like, ultimately, Britney Spears is kind of shown to kill herself, but then she's rescued by a Hawkeye, so we like that. She's rescued by someone with a great ass. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't really think he's going to be hot, but then he's suddenly sleeveless, and then he's suddenly shirtless, mm. and kind of, like, straddling this bathtub in a way I've never seen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> in a way you've only seen in porn. <laughs> so... Ultimately, they're some of her biggest songs. And yeah, ultimately, that kind of low-tempo electronic music hasn't exactly aged well. It's, yeah, like a lot of the album tracks aren't iconic, even though I might like mm. them as kind of a nerd, honestly. But yeah, like you mentioned earlier, she's a singles artist through and through. And um, it's just a little bit forgotten, I think. Like, it's just crazy how... Me Against the Music, Toxic, and Outrageous are on the same album. I don't think, I don't think people would predict that to be true. Like that's kind of crazy yeah. to me, you know. Crazy. Also, oh, you already mentioned this, but karma-wise, every time got a huge second life. I think. Yes, that's Obviously true. Obviously, from from Spring Breakers, yeah. Spring Breakers. In terms of karma, in general for Britney, it's never been bigger. Like people are kind of, yeah. I feel like dying for a comeback now. Recording in in March twenty twenty one. Britney's public, the public opinion of Britney couldn't be higher. Like, I think yeah. she's sort of even become like a martyr and a saint in a way. Yeah. From the documentary. Yeah. I mean, I would say that Toxic is her biggest pop and Every Time is her biggest ballad. Every Time, yeah, for sure. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's Lucky, but I think Every Time is widely regarded as the better ballad. Yeah, I love Lucky. But there's so much more production behind Lucky. It's like hard to almost call it a ballad, you know? Yeah, that's true. that's true. I was listening to it recently, actually, and it's it's very Max Martin, what you were saying earlier, like huge, like key change that makes yes. everything so momentous and the oh stakes are so God. high. Yes, <laughs> amazing. What was I going to say? I forget. Oh, I, I don't know if you mentioned this, but In the Zone or Toxic was their first Grammy she won. I think one of three. Amazing. She's won so few. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, um, both. I think the conclusion is that both have really good karma. And yeah. it's probably why we chose them, because they are nowadays seen as her best albums. And I think there's truth to that. I think they are the most interesting albums because, yeah, Britney's a singles artist. Like we were, Josh and I, when we were preparing for this, we were going through like the early ones and it's just filler after filler. Like The first two Britney albums are problematious to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like literally like after the first three which are the, the, the singles is just nothing. Not yeah. like who's ever heard autumn goodbye by Britney Spears. I played that no. today. <laughs> oh yeah. How was it? How is insane? It? You have no yeah. idea how crazy autumn goodbye is until you play it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Should it, I play it right now? Play it right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm like thrown on back to measure from the vocals. <laughs> I'm going to play it too. I don't like this. Has the beat come in yet? Oh, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. It's coming in. This couldn't be more 90s. There's a couple songs on her first album that just straight up sound like Together Again by Janet. Like plagiarism. <laughs> I didn't like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause that. Horrible. Like her voice she progressed so, so far yeah. beyond that, which is great. That said, though, the, the best song she's ever fucking done is Baby One More Time. I can't get enough of that song. <laughs> that song is perfect. It sounds nothing like anything else on the album. Yeah, that's true. 
Also, actually, maybe that's one good thing or like one specific thing about In the Zone and Blackout is that it marks her moving into better vocal territory. Like, yeah. they kind of probably realized that she was not Christina Aguilera and was never going to belt. And they're like, okay, let's just give her like easy melodies. And she has like so a much relatively deep voice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A yeah. lot of people <laughs> seem to I- make her sing in high keys, but yeah. That iconic video of her like, next week I'm performing as yeah, a yeah. performer at the Good Morning America. <laughs> iconic yeah who won against listener you tell us you tell us I'm sorry to so discontent in the gay community but that's my job I'm the Megan McCain (laughs) (laughs) next time we record you should come with like a Chun-Li hair (laughs) to really show how Megan McCain you are oh my god I feel like ultimately the listener will decide whichever album they like better Mm -hmm. yeah I think we'll make a playlist of um all the songs we've kind of mentioned today. And maybe we'll just like add a bunch of Bloodshine and Avant songs to the end of it so you can hear how they all sound together because they really are the best. There's a which Britney album you love the most and whether we chose the wrong ones, let us know what other albums you would have, you would like to see like paired and pitted against each other. We're leaning towards like um like an MGMT, maybe like a Gorillas or like an Animal Collective type vibe. We're mm-hmm. leaning mm-hmm. towards that for next time, so... We're trying to do dudes, essentially, next time. Yeah, we're ready for some yeah. boys. I feel like these boys take themselves so seriously that I feel like I want to take tear them apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> really possible. So, listener, thanks for listening. As always, thanks for subscribing. And we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.